welcome to Living Fabulously with Bev. The mission for the show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle-related disciplines, and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and put yourself front and center in your life, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you know someone else that would get value from the show as well, please share it with them. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Today I'm thrilled to introduce my special guest Patria King, the CEO and founder of Quest for Life Foundation in Bundanoon, the Southern Highlands of New South Wales. She's a well-known author, an inspirational keynote speaker, teacher and facilitator. Patria and I share a passion for quality sleep and she's part of my nighttime ritual with her beautiful meditations. Welcome Patria. Uh, Hello Bev, that's a lovely introduction, thank you. (laughs) So, Patria, tell me about yourself and what it is that you do at Quest for Life. Oh, goodness. Well, um, Quest for Life really grew out of my own journey, not only with illness. I had uh, acute myeloid leukemia in 1983 and was told that I only had three months to live then. And my diagnosis came just after the suicide of my brother. And there'd been a whole lot of other challenges that had happened in my earlier life before that, including you know, years in hospital having surgery to my legs and depression and anxiety and my brother's many attempts at suicide before he did finally succeed. So I I guess I'd been pushing a lot of emotions down for a very long time and not dealing with them because I came from a family of copers. uh, But it did show up in lots of ways in my health. And finally, I think, in uh, the complete collapse of my health when I was diagnosed with leukemia. So the work of Quest really grew out of that. I I was meant to die. I didn't die. And then suddenly I was told now that I would still die, but I'd had a remission that they weren't expecting. And so no one knew how long I might live. And I, I actually found that more challenging because when you know you're going to die, there are things that you need to say and do and organize, and I'd pretty much said and done and organized them all. And so I had my whole life all packed up in this little suitcase all ready for the big trip, and then the plane got cancelled. And <laughs> I was faced with how much do you unpack the suitcase? How much do you live with confidence as if you're really going to be here? And I found that quite challenging. And so I started just working with other people who were living in that very uncertain place in their life. Um, either through a diagnosis or grief or loss or depression or despair or something that had happened in their life. And of course, sleep is a huge issue for everybody in those circumstances. So sleep and my own finding my own way to sleep well, as well as helping many thousands of other people now find good ways of sleeping well, uh, is really part of the foundation of what we do. Mm. And in that part of that journey, Patria, how have you managed your attitude and mindset? So you talked about undealing with uncertainty, which is what life is, really. It's uncertain. Yes, that's right. But how have you managed your attitude and mindset? I think it's about being in right relationship to your body, your life, the things that happen in your life, uh, to learn to not take your own life quite so personally. 
to recognize that you have a body, that you're not your body, but you have a body, and you do need to nourish it appropriately and rest it and exercise it, uh, that you're not your brain, but you do have a brain, and we need to quieten it down on a regular basis and keep our brain, our mind in good company uh, so that we're moving in the direction that we want to move in in our life because you want to be able to manage your mind, not be managed by your mind because it makes a great servant but a really appalling master. And we want to be able to switch off our mind when it's appropriate, for instance, when we want to go to sleep. Uh, You're not your feelings. You have feelings and recognizing that this is not who I am, but it is what I am feeling makes a big difference. So this is how it feels to be Patria, feeling angry rather than I am angry. Uh, So being in right relationship with your body, your mind, your feelings. And of course, if you're not your body, you have one. You're not your brain, you have one. You're not your feelings, you have them. Of course, it begs the question, well, who are we? And of course, you know, that's a wonderful question and maybe best left unanswered because for some, that's consciousness, soul, spirit, life, being, energy, and we're enmeshed in the physical and we're conducting this amazing human journey full of its highs and lows and everything in between. Mm. So I think having that, that kind of framework to think about your life For me, love never dies, and the essence of our being is love. Our first nature is love, is compassion, is wisdom, and that's who we are. And it's become second nature to us to see things as separate, as different, as less than, more than, better than, worse than. And if we can stay with our essential nature, then we have a more sense of the unity and the interconnectedness of life. Hmm. And I find that very helpful. Mm. And what sort of skills did you develop or lessons did you learn to improve your overall well-being? Oh, well, I've been very blessed with um, a lot of amazing people, children who've come into my life, adults who've come into my life with extraordinary stories, and I've learned a tremendous amount from other people. Um, I've also learned a lot, I think, from my body. You know, when I was a teenager, I had three years in hospital having, you know, my femurs cut and my lower legs rotated out 11 degrees and then my tibias cut and rotated in 9 degrees. And I found when I had a lot of intense pain, sometimes I'd find myself up on the ceiling looking down at my body. And as a young teenager, that was kind of very weird. But I knew I wasn't my body because I could see my body in the bed going through a cramp. I used to get these cramps each day which would start in my toes and then move into the arch of my foot and the calf and the thigh. And by the time the cramp had got into my hip, I would usually pass out. And I'd been in traction for nine months at this point. And, uh, you know, it was a strange experience to find myself looking down at my body on the bed and, but it also really affirmed a, a certainty within myself that I wasn't my body because how could I be looking at it? And so I was very blessed with that experience in my early life. And then chronic pain has been a companion of mine ever since. And I've needed to be very conscious about how I walk because I have a tendency to rip ligaments and tendons very easily. And so 
I can't get up or walk or move around without being very aware of how I'm using my legs. And that's actually been a great blessing because they've brought me to the present moment. And that's been something that I actually wouldn't change um, because I have to be present uh, to move. And that means that the brain is much quieter because it's just focused on being in the body. And that's actually been a great blessing in my life. A painful one, but a mm. great blessing. Mm. Good day. <laughs> yeah, that's so true about being present because I think our world is just so chaotic and frenetic that yes. that constant coming back to the present is something you need to be vigilant about, you know. Exactly. Mm. And I think any of us who have a physical symptom or, um, I, you know, I have a very dear friend who lives with multiple personalities and there's one personality that needs to be in charge of looking after all the sub-personalities and that requires constant vigilance. And I think any of these things that require constant vigilance as chronic pain does or depression does or any of these uh, big challenges that happen in life, the blessing in them on a good day can be that they force us into the present moment because maybe going outside of five minutes is just beyond my capability right now. Mm. And so it forces us to live far more in the present. It may be that the grief, the the shame, the de- despair, the depression is so overwhelming, I can only manage uh, watching my hand turn the tap on and filling the glass in this moment. And that actually becomes a great refuge you know, the present moment can become a, a wonderful refuge from the internal suffering that our mind can bring to our circumstance. Mm. And you mentioned um, about the importance of sleep. So what have you realized about the importance of sleep as a pillar to improve your well-being? Oh, sleep is really a foundation of um, well-being, isn't it? Because if you get a good night's sleep, almost everything looks better the next day. And yet a lot of us are not getting either our deep levels of sleep, which are really deeply replenishing to us, or we're sleeping uh, fitfully or we have difficulty falling asleep or difficulty in staying asleep. And given that it generally takes us about five hours to go into our deepest level of sleep, and this is where most healing and repair work takes place in your body, Uh, It's also when children do most of their growing, which is why children are in that very deep sleep, you know, and you can throw them over your shoulder in the back of the car, back into their bed, and they'll stay in that very, very deep sleep because that's when they're doing all their growing. But when we're stressed or in pain or restless in some way, we may never arrive at that deep sleep level, or if we do, we don't stay there long enough to really experience the benefits. So we need to learn how to consciously let go through relaxation techniques, practice both during the day and you know when you're not aiming to fall asleep, but also when you do fall asleep. Because within the first five minutes of deep relaxation, your brain waves are in the same brainwave pattern as in deep sleep. And if you go to sleep at the end of that relaxation or even during that relaxation, you go straight into your deep sleep level which would otherwise take you several hours to arrive at. There are other things that are important too, like you need to have an environment that's conducive to you sleeping. 
So you may find that you need to create a bit of a sacred space for yourself where you can just be with yourself on a daily basis and internally declutter yourself. Uh, it might be that you have a table or a corner of your room where you like to meditate or keep treasures from your walks or have an, some inspirational reading or fresh flowers or a candle or poetry um, and that you sit at that place and just let things come to rest even before you go to bed. One of the practices that I always utilize is just to reflect on the day with pen and paper beside me, reflect on the day and just note down any unfinished business. You know, oh, I think I might have been misunderstood in that conversation. I need to revisit that conversation. Jot it down. Oh, I forgot to pick up the dry cleaning. Okay, jot it down. Uh, I need to ring Mary about that book I loaned her six months ago. Write it down. Because if you, that's using your mind. And then when you go to bed, you've already used your mind to declutter from the day, to reorganize whatever you need to from the day. And then you don't think of those things in bed where you suddenly think, oh gosh, I forgot to pick up the dry cleaning. How am I going to remember that tomorrow? And you wake up your whole brain. <laughs> yeah. So using the mind means sit before you go to bed, before you're even in your PJs and write down whatever's left over from today so that it can be addressed tomorrow. That's using your mind. Mm. I like that idea where, you know, to close that, especially for entrepreneurs who work from home where they're not actually exiting an office, let's say. Yes. A good idea is to use the last 15 minutes of the day to do all those things, you know, to jot down, you know, like you're saying, but I think you're also talking not task-based, but also, you know, where you feel if the conversation needs to be revisited or, you know. That's right. It might be tasks, but it might be about another conversation to be had. Well, a lot of us too are not very good at managing our time and so we squeeze what every ounce that we can to work without building in that very special time where we get to review and that reviewing time can save a lot of misery in the future because it gives you time to reflect on what's been for the day rather than thinking about it at 10pm once you've climbed into bed um, or never thinking about it, which means things are going to start falling through the cracks. And the more tired you get, of course, the more things are likely to fall through the cracks, and that's not a good way uh, to run your business or to run your life, for that matter. Mm, that's so true. There are a whole lot of other very practical things too, like you know, it's really good to avoid eating sugar altogether because that gets your whole system wired up before sleep. Uh, it's a good idea to eat at least an hour and a half before you go to sleep so that your body has finished with digestion when you go to bed and, and lie down so that you can your body then focuses on going to sleep, not on digesting your food. Uh, it's a good idea to exercise in the earlier part of the day because if you exercise in the evening, chances are you'll get your whole system wired up for activity rather than wind down for for rest. Mm. So there are some very practical things that people can utilize as well. Mm. And I know at Quest for Life you teach many beautiful practical strategies for well-being and one of them mm. um, you spend a lot of time actually about getting quality sleep. So what do you believe are the keys to that quality sleep? So you've mentioned some things to kind of get you into the sleep phase, but are there any sort of things that stand out for you? 
Uh, well, I think for creating that ritual around the last hour before you go to bed is a really good idea. Uh, we know that screen time, whether it's iPods, iPads, phones, television, we know that bright light switches off the production of melatonin in the brain. So it's a good idea in that hour before you go to bed not to have any screen time or use the nighttime screen on your device. They all have a... Uh, a nighttime screen that where the light isn't quite so bright and that helps uh, the production of melatonin in, in your brain, which is a good thing. Maybe in that ritual you have a warm bath or a shower before you go to bed and you consciously wash off or soak off the day and let all the busyness go down the plug hole when you uh, finish showering. Some people enjoy having aromatherapy, a, a perfume candle, so that you gradually develop an association with that particular perfume and going to sleep. It's it's building in these rituals so that your brain recognizes, oh, these are the rituals that I utilize before I go to sleep. And you need to utilize all of these rituals, not just one of them and try it out, but you need to have that hour before you go to bed. Maybe you need to use a, a relaxation practice or a sleep practice um, I, I have one called Tranquil Night, which we say no one's ever heard the end of. And we <laughs> often find if you if you listen to that, you know, it takes you into the body so that you begin to relax every part of your body and then utilizes your brain so that it's not just idly going from thought to thought so that you can find restful sleep. Mm. You may find that sleeping in natural fibers, uh, cotton, wool or silk, allowing natural fibers to help your body to breathe uh, and this is both your bedding and your sleepwear. Um, make an absolute commitment to yourself that I, I don't think things through in the middle of the night. You know, it's often when we think, think about things at 3 a.m. that they get all blown out of proportion. So make a real commitment. I do not think things through in the middle of the night. You're much better to get up, make a cup of tea, spend 10, 15 minutes um, uh, utilizing relaxation techniques to go back to sleep but if you're still awake at that point get up have a cup of tea walk around the house do something but do not think things through because that's when uh, you'll see the world through dark glasses usually yes. <laughs> uh, and if noise is an issue uh, because you live in a noisy area then either just incorporate that noise into the background of of what is because that's part of what's happening rather than getting grumpy and, and frustrated by noise around you or use earplugs. And maybe if staying asleep is a problem, that you fall asleep easily, but then you wake up and you're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in the middle of the night, that's when you need to put on a sleep practice again. As soon as you, um, if you get up, go to the bathroom, go back to bed, and before you start doing anything, put the sleep practice on so that your brain doesn't wake up and start getting busy. Yes, agree. I love that you've actually talking through all the sort of strategies that I love to share as well. And I know that when I was on the Quest for Life program, there were other things that we learned too. So, I mean, learning, you know, the power of meditation in, in resting, you know, creating that restful state in your mind. So well, perhaps you'd like to tell me about what the programs of Quest for Life actually offer for people. The programs are either weekend in length, although we do have some day programs as well, but the, the five-day retreats are the core of what we do. And that really 
gives people an opportunity to take five days out of their life to review how they're living their life and to find a whole range of skills and strategies and practical tools whereby they can get back into the driver's seat of life so that they get back in charge of what's going on in their body, going on in their brain, going on in their emotional world and learn some skills around communication, skills around um, healthy sleep habits, uh, learn about being in right relationship to their body, how to nourish their body, how to rest it, how to exercise it in a way that works for them. Uh, how to quieten down their mind on a daily basis and keep it in good company. So by the time people emerge from a a five-day retreat, they're in a very, very different place. The problem or the challenge that they might have in their life hasn't changed. You know, we talk about the Ds in life, a drama, a disappointment, a diagnosis, a death, a divorce, a disaster, a a downpour, a drought, a downturn, a daughter, a dad. There's a whole lot of Ds in life. And these are the things that often stop us in our tracks and everything that's second nature to us doesn't work. And it's a real call from a deep place within yourself to get back into right relationship with yourself. And that's what the retreats really help people to do is to get back in the driver's seat so they no longer feel a helpless victim of their circumstance. So we have programs for people who are dealing with PTSD. We've had a a great number of police and first responders and veterans and survivors of motor vehicle accidents and sexual abuse and and violence and all kinds of things come on that particular program where people have got caught up in this primitive loop in the brain that happens with PTSD and, and that isn't accessing the neocortex, which is all our higher learning. So we help people to get back and re-engage with their neocortex where they can make new choices, make new decisions, go in new directions. Uh, Another of our retreats is Healing Your Life, which is for people with depression and anxiety, loss, grief. uh, And people, again, find a safe, nurturing environment in which they can learn these skills and practical tools. Likewise, with people living with chronic pain, we have a program for them people living with cancer, people living with Parkinson's uh, because there's so much that people can do to have a positive impact on their quality of life and often their quantity of life as well when they utilize these tools. Hmm. And in closing, Patria, what are your tips for living fabulously? (laughs) Oh, live the life that you came here to live. You know, I think it's a great blessing when you get to that place in your life where you know you're in exactly the right place with the right people doing exactly what you came to the planet to do. So find out what it is to live your life on purpose and then to live that with a deep commitment. And then you become a living expression of life rather than battling with life or trying to manipulate life. Uh, If we align ourselves with life, then we can be a living demonstration of life unfolding through us and playing the part that we came here to play. Mm, Fabulous. Thank you. You can find Patria King at the website www.questforlife.com.au and also on Facebook, it is Quest for Life AUS. Patria, thank you so much for sharing your journey and really inspiring us to live with that confidence and I love that we agree that sleep is a foundation of well-being. Um, mm. I also really, my take out was 
you know, being in that right relationship with your body, your mind and your feelings and just take back control, you know, get in the driver's seat, that's you know. Right. Um, mm, and also, right. you know, for, for those people who have that, you know, busy uh, frenetic life, that consciously letting go through rela- relaxation to create the opportunity for deep sleep is just that's so right. valuable. That wind down routine for me is, yes. you know, the saving grace to feeling well every single day. Yes. Look, there was a time when we thought that lack of sleep was just unfortunate and uh, you battled on. Now we know that lack of sleep is actually the cause, not the consequence, but the cause of really serious illnesses, including we know there's been research on breast cancer that shows that lack of sleep is fundamental to the cause of breast cancer forming. So this is not a a luxury. Good sleep is not a luxury. It's a foundation for good health. And I really commend you, Bev, on creating these programs that educate people uh, so that we can all live more meaningful and more purposeful lives. Mm, Thank you so much for your time, Patria. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening. And you can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website, www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Have you heard about Sleep Timber? It's a month to focus on restorative sleep and it's a month packed with so much goodness for you. What will it take for you to take care of yourself? Head to www.sleeptember.com.au to find out about the free events and sign up to join a movement of sleep lovers. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice and is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.